You got two hours. Two hours? Two hours. <laughs> that ain't true. I made that up. No, the clock right in front of me. Nine? Hey, y'all. My name is Mo. I'm a grateful, recovered alcoholic. There is a lot of people here. Um, I, uh, first, I want to start off with, uh, let's give a round of applause for the 10-minute speaker, Joshua. Where's he at? He brought the, brought the heat. Brought the heat. Um, and happy birthday to everybody that took a coin. Fantastic. Um, Somebody texted me right before I got up here, and I am looking for that person. If you throw your arm up, that would be, there he is, okay. <laughs> so, um, um, thank you, Tim, for uh, inviting me to come up here. Where is he? There he is. Um, I guess there's a list of words that you can't say from the podium. You know what those guys are? <laughs> let's, let's watch Tim twitch for a minute. <laughs> Uh, I'm grateful for the newcomers here, especially the 22-dayer. What happens in the bathroom? That's right. That's right. That's right. We're spiritual giants around here. <clears throat> so uh, my sobriety date is August 10, 2010. My sponsor is Jane A. My home group is uh, the Pioneer Group in West Salem, Wednesday nights at 7.15. If you're ever in town, come see us. And um, I sponsor women. I am sponsorable most days. <laughs> Tell the truth. Um, uh, and I'm grateful to be here, right? So um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bore you with the childhood memories because I, I feel pulled to do that sometimes, you know, and leave alcohol out of the whole thing. But I'll tell you, um, I'm the youngest of five kids. And I felt uh, sufficiently horrified in my home, sufficiently horrified of my mom for good reason, and I'm not going to spew that up here from the podium because I'm not going to tell her story, right? Um, my, my earliest recollection was the, the sense that we all talk about, that feeling of being separate, different, and alone. I felt like... Um, I felt like I really wasn't a part of my family, even though, you know, it's just the strangest sensation. I already see people nodding their heads, you know. I, I, um, I'm from a good family, man. Hardworking parents, they're non-alcoholic, um, which was real confusing when I first got here. I couldn't possibly be alcoholic, right? I, uh, um, I, I remember feeling like if I could be more like my, my siblings, my older siblings, if I could walk like them and talk like them and act like them, then everything will be okay. So I just kind of went through life parroting what they were doing, still really having no, no idea what's going on, you know. I get into high school, you know, I, I play sports. Um, I'm good at sports. I'm good at school. Um, in the, I'm in the, quote, in crowd, which I know today is an illusion. It doesn't exist. Um, but while I was in that crowd, I always had that feeling of if they really knew me, they wouldn't like me. I hadn't even started drinking yet, man. I, uh, I, I did not agree with, um, if I don't pick that up, y'all are going to wonder how long it's going to take me to pick that up. Right? <laughs> and every one of you can do a 10 step right now. <laughs> so, um, 
I, I did well in school, and I, I, I spent a lot of time in high school tap dancing, trying to be the best that I could be, because if I was good enough, I'd be okay. If I was funny enough, if I was fast enough, good enough at sports, I'd be okay. And um, the truth is, I was all those things, and I feel, still felt that empty hole inside of me. I was always acting out, you know, like uh, trying to be funny and get, I, I had a boss that told me one time, Mo, you always need a captive audience, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Your greatest desires can be fulfilled here, folks, if you're new. <laughs> so um, so I, uh, I, um, I, remember the, I do remember trying alcohol in high school. I don't remember much about it ex other than I got sick, and I didn't like it. You know, it didn't taste very pleasant. Um, I didn't feel good the next day, and I was never going to do that again, you know. Um, but the magic for alcohol, from alcohol didn't really happen to me until I got into college. I went on to college to play basketball. It's the only thing that I wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, I still don't some days, and I just retired from a career, you know what I'm saying? I'm still wondering what I'm going to be. Um, you know, I don't come here to find out what I am. I come, I come here to find out whose I am. That I know today. Uh, Squirrel. <laughs> so, so I'm in. I go on to play college ball. Um, I'm still tap dancing, doing the you know the very level best that I can do. Still doing well in school. Um, I'll never forget the first time I went out to a bar, and alcohol worked. And here's how it rolled up. You know, I don't, I don't come off as very uh, girly. I'm not a girly girl type. I'm a tomboy, right? And I throw some jeans on and a t-shirt. And I just got done working at the pizza joint. I smell of pepperoni and cheese, you know, and. We're going to this bar, and I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death. And uh, uh, I went to some folks that I live, I live near, and I remember walking in there, and the, it's like the weight of the walls was closing in on me. I was scared to death. But after three drinks, I'll never forget that feeling. Never. And I, a lot of us in here won't, you know. Ease and comfort. I like to say I felt wittier, prettier, and tittier, right? <laughs> Suddenly I felt girly. Suddenly I knew how to flirt. I didn't know how to flirt even in college, man. I'm clumsy as I go up and punch a guy in the arm still. You know, I'm 18 years old at that time and clumsy, clumsy. And, um, and I, I know how to flirt and I know how to dance. And I'm dancing with a couple guys and this gal keeps bumping into me on the dance floor. I don't know who she is, but she's eyeballing me and taking chip shots. And I, I really think she's got me confused with someone else. At the end of that night, I was feeling pretty loose and we closed the place down, and I'll tell you, I did not get smashed. I didn't. I got where my skin fit, and if you're alcoholic, you know what I'm talking about. I got where I could look you in the eye. I could visit, be comfortable in my skin. I knew what to ask. I knew what to say. To this day, one of the toughest questions for me to answer is, hey, Mo, how you doing? If I'm in untreated alcoholism, that question still scares me. So um, we... Uh, walking out and crossed for the parking lot. I heard this gal call me a name that I didn't appreciate and, uh, and I handled it, you know. I walked towards her, I did a little bunny hop and I knocked her out. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's funny, I always get that reaction, you know. It's like, yay violence in AA. <laughs> like, what are we? <laughs> like, that's right. <laughs> Love and tolerance, right? Find out, find out. <laughs> Find out, 22. That's your new name, 22. So, um, 
So uh, I handled it. And the solution to all my problems was right in that, in that evening. I was always afraid that if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. I was afraid if you crossed me, I couldn't handle it. I was afraid, I was afraid, I was afraid, afraid. Alcohol was a great fear buster, right? And, and my new solution was find out, 22, <laughs> right? <laughs> Couple drinks, come at me, bro, right? Good, we're good. Uh, so I went through the rest of some college like that. I'll tell you what I did do. I uh, quit basketball my senior year. And here's how I roll. If I can't be the best, I don't want to play. Yeah. I'm a sore loser and an even worse winner when it comes to uh, competition. Not pretty. Um, it's really not cute when it's uh, relationships we're talking about, right? Because I'm competitive, and I pull that stuff into my relationships, you know. You talk to me about going to Hawaii, I want up you and talk to you about how my experience was and dust you. Um, if that made you uncomfortable, you might want to look at it. <laughs> 22. That's my girl over there. We're talking after this one. So um, my, my drinking started escalating. Pretty good clip. I quit basketball. I was relieved that now I had more time to drink. Um, I made all kinds of lies and excuses why I quit. None of them were the truth. Um, and the truth was, if I can't be the best, I don't want to play. Um, God makes everything right when we surrender to this power, you know. God makes everything right. And I was able to run into that coach just a couple years ago when I was working, and I was able to make that amends. Um, and I never planned on that. Never. Never in a million years. You know how you see someone walking towards you in a parking lot or something, you're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> that was great. It was great, though. So, um... My drinking's taken on serious proportions, right? And I knew I needed a solution. I knew I was in trouble. I, I vaguely sensed I wasn't being into any too smart. Each time I took a drink, what I didn't know was what the big book talks about, that I had a phenomenon of craving, that any time I ingest alcohol in any form, that I, 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 uh, I have a craving for more of the same. I had to come to you guys to realize that non-alcoholics don't crave more alcohol when they take a drink. I didn't know that. I thought everybody felt what I was feeling, you know. And the other thing I didn't know is when I put the drink down that I obsess on it until it's time to drink again. So there's a speaker that says, hey, I only have two problems with alcohol. One happens to me when I drink it, and one happens to me when I don't. Other than that, I got a pretty good grip on alcohol, right? So uh, I'm, I'm drinking. I know I need a solution. I know I'm feeling separate, different, alone between drinks, and I, you know, intuitively know I need a solution, so I got one. I got a job bartending. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that being near the alcohol brought me ease and comfort. I was close enough to the solution that if things got crazy up in here inside of me, and I didn't know that in the words, you know, I just knew I felt calmer around alcohol. Now, I, before you start thinking it's some, you know, bar with big lights and music and flame throwing and bottle flipping, it wasn't. It was the Eagle's Lodge. <laughs> but I assure you, I had a captive audience in the Eagle's Lodge. <laughs> 24 years old, craving attention, right? Attention is the, I'm addicted to the drug called attention, right? If I don't get it, you better give me some alcohol. So I'm in this bar. Um, I don't have any alcohol in me, you know, when I'm working, but, but I, what I am suffering is, is from is from uh, uh, untreated alcoholism. Now, alcoholism is what happens to me when I put the drink down. Restless, irritable, discontent, lonely, 
in a group of people that I love, I feel lonely. What is that? You know, you would think that loneliness, with loneliness, to treat loneliness, people would treat loneliness. That don't treat, that don't, you know, don't fix the kind of loneliness I suffer from. You know, the alcoholism, loneliness. I, um, when I'm suffering from untreated alcoholism, it looks like somebody's chasing me when I'm working. I'm moving that quick. I got tunnel vision, get out of my way, because if I'm good enough at work, I'll be okay, right? This guy walks by me and he says, uh, you know, you'd make a good UPS driver. I said, I didn't go to college to be a dumb tr truck driver. Yeah, that's one else thing I suffer from when I'm an untreated alcoholism, a big mouth. I'm mostly mouth. <laughs> this guy kind of looked at me kind of weird. Turns out he was a division manager, or excuse me, a regional manager for the company. Yeah, from New York, mind you. I'm at the Eagles Lodge, popping off to this guy. Um, five months ago, I retired from being a driver at UPS. <laughs> God's will will be done, with or without my permission. So um, I start with this company, you know, I'm terrified, I'm full of fear, I quit the bar job, but um, I would be going back to it in the evenings because, whew, if you had a job like that, you'd need to drink too, right? How many of us said that? Here's, an, here's another one, I ain't hurting nobody but myself, right? So um, I'm doing this driving, and the first 30 days were miserable, I'm crying every day because I'm scared to death, I can't figure out north, south, east, west, you know, it was, a, it was like a Rubik's Cube to me, <laughs> it was scary, and... Uh, Man, they hired me. I'm, I passed the training thing. Met this woman named Joan that worked for the company. Now, I tell you that I had a tumultuous relationship with my mom. What that looked like as an adult is I just dusted them, right? I just dusted them. I don't need you. You don't love me. I don't love you, right? I can, I can handle this. I can handle it all on my own. You watch, right? And I get a job uh, driving for UPS. I make a making more money than I've ever made. I buy a new car, of course it's red, you know, and for a time, the goose hung high. <laughs> the goose hung high. And uh, I'm celebrating at the bar, buying all my old friends, old friends some drinks, and um, as the days go, what I'm finding is, I mean to go to the bar after work and stay for one, maybe two hours, and have one, maybe two drinks. But I stay till close and I have 10 or whatever it is that gets me sicker than a dog. I wake up with a hangover, go to work, throw up, you know, but I'm going to work every day. You know how we are. We work. We're hard workers. We were just talking to somebody in here. We are good people in this room. Y'all are good people. Deep down, I know for a fact we are good people. We just do some weird stuff with our disease, man, right? So um, I... Uh, I know my drinking's taken on more, and I was introduced to an outside issue that uh, made me go very fast, okay? I know where I am. I'm not gonna talk too much about it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, and I'm a problem solver, right? Because the only problem I had at that time was hangovers. Alcohol wasn't giving me no problems. It might have been giving my family and other people problems, but I'm fine, right? So I introduced to this outside issue, and it treats the hangovers, wouldn't you know? Treats them quickly. <laughs> and UPS wants you to go fast. Seems like a perfect match. Um, so I start this outside issue, and I took it for one year. One year it took for me to lose, I don't know how much weight, but I was 105 pounds. You, you, it was yellow. You could see through me. 
You know how we have the outline of our skull? Come on, folks, you know what we're talking about. I walk into work one day, and my friend Joan, who is now like a surrogate mom to me, we talk every day. She took me in as one of her own, man. We just hit it off. We go on trips together, just, just a neat lady, you know. She pulls me aside, and she goes, honey, you have got to stop. You're going to die. Now, at this time, I'm 105 pounds. I got two uniforms on. I'm wearing double uniforms to look a little bigger. Where's the head nods? You know, long sleeves in the summer. You got it. And uh, I looked at her. I said, I can't. I actually was trying to quit, and I, I said, I can't. She says, if you ask for help, they can't fire you. And that was, the, that was my ticket, because I didn't want to lose that job. I love that job. I love the uh, identity it gave me. I love being around people, you know. Um, I was pretty attached to that job in the beginning. I uh, go down to Eugene to an inpatient treatment. I don't remember much about it. It was, I think, 14 days for that problem. And they're talking to me about alcoholism. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> I haven't had a drink in four months. I hadn't had a sandwich in four months either, right? <laughs> but there's no way I could be an alcoholic. If I'm, I'm not, alcoholics drink. I'm not drinking, therefore non-alcoholic. That's how my brain works, right? So uh, I get out of treatment, and I remember going back to work. The, the way I experienced life sober was still with me. Absolutely terrified what people thought of me. Absolutely terrified. Because now they know, you know. So it's like head down, um, the, the dignity, lack of dignity, and the, you know, all that stuff that comes with my perception of what you think of me. <laughs> That's really what it is. So um, I joined our sister's 12-step fellowship. Now, I'm not here to dog on the fellowship. I can tell you what I heard. I can tell you what I heard. This may not be the truth. <laughs> I stayed clean and sober eight years in that fellowship on meeting-based sobriety. I went to a lot of meetings um, because I heard meeting makers make it. So I'm, I'm an alcoholic, not an idiot. <laughs> meeting makers make it means go to a lot of meetings, right? The steps were on the wall. I know one, two, three, four, five, not for me. Eh, that, I'm not crazy. <laughs> of course, one plus one is four. And so... Um, and so, uh, you know, eight years, bone dry, no alcohol, no, no um, outside issues, nothing to treat my alcoholism. I didn't even know what was happening. The fear. I would go into a meeting, hear meeting makers make it, go out and get in my truck, and the bone-crushing loneliness, loneliness just followed me in the truck. It, like, just wafted around me, and I would think, now What? Well, I guess I'll go home or maybe stop at the grocery store. I don't know. Is there anybody in here that's dusted a shopping cart at a grocery store? You'd be standing at the store. For me, I'd be standing there in front of the cheese. All I need is cheese, right? And I'm like, there's 90 cheeses here. And that little voice starts, they know you don't know how to get cheese, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like, the heck with it, I'm out of here. I didn't walk out cool like they didn't have my cheese. <laughs> That's alcoholism. That's terror, right? Terror. Or the worst thing was I'd walk in for milk, bread, and cheese, and I'd walk out with an air conditioner, 18 candles, six area rugs, and a new cat, you know? And I'm like, what happened? Where'd all my money go? Because I'm trying to treat something inside with something outside. 
And I spent all of that sobriety, sobriety, thinking that if I could arrange life on the outside to treat, to treat my inside. It was an unconscious thing that I did. I had no idea I was doing it. I prayed sometimes if I felt like it. You know, I read sometimes when I remember to grab it off the toilet, back of the toilet, you know. I just, I, I'm going to meetings, man. I used everything in that eight years to treat the condition called untreated alcoholism. One of my deals was if I could get the edge on the yard just right. I'm an, there's an edger over here. Yes, you're an edger too. Yes. If I could get all the weeds and the edge just right, I would Tiger Woods the edge. You know how Tiger Woods does that thing around his hat? I get down and it's like, oh, God, that looks good. God, it looks good. And I'd sit there on the porch and look at it, and 10 minutes later, I'd be like, I don't even like that tree. I don't even like that tree. Discontent, right? Discontent with everything I got. And that's today. That still happens. Today. We're sitting at dinner. Here's how it shows up today. We're sitting at dinner. Everybody's got a different plate of a buffet, and I'm, I'm eating mine, and it's fantastic. And I look over, and I'm like, what's Tim have? <laughs> so I... Like, I'm not, I can't even be with my own dinner, man. I'm looking at Tim's plate going, I, I want some of that, you know. But it shows up, <clears throat> rapid clip, all the time. If I'm not aware of it, to turn to the power that gave me the dang brain, then, then it's going to run on its own, right? And I'm going to need to drink. So I tried all these things to treat this untreated alcoholism. If I could get the edge on the yard just right. If I could get the right car, the right man, the right house, right? I had two husbands. Neither of them were mine. <laughs> 22. <laughs> Neither of them were mine. They seem to work for you. You look happy. <laughs> I'm sick. So I went, I went camping with one of these husbands, right? <laughs> well, you know, I got to get out of town. Somebody nod your head. You know what I'm talking about. I know where I am. I know where I am. No, everybody's like, mm -mm, don't look. <clears throat> he brings a six pack of he brings a six pack of beer for the weekend, and there was two left at the end of the weekend. And I said, why don't you give me one of those? He goes, you you don't drink, do you? And I, well, no, no, but I, it's just one. What could a beer help hurt? You know. I know nothing of the mental obsession that you taught me about that must be relieved if I am to get well. At a mental obsession. I remember we left, when we passed, we passed a roadside bar on the way in, and it was a log cabin, and I know what goes on in there. I know what they smell like, I know the music, I could see the peanuts, and that's all I could think of that whole camping trip. I said, just give me a beer. I drink that beer and nothing happens, nothing. I didn't get the ease and comfort that I was expecting. Nothing happened. But the little pilot light that goes off in me when I ingest alcohol in any form got lit, right? That, I think I'll have another, <laughs> was awake. The beast was awake. So I said, why don't we stop at the roadside bar for a sandwich and a glass of milk? <laughs> he goes, we just ate. I said, I'm still hungry. So... We go to this bar, I order now a hard drink, and I drink it, and I'm trying to drink it slow and be cool because I'm not an alcoholic, right? Eight years, no alcohol. Now I have one beer and another drink in me. 
and the beast is awake. I feel something deep down inside of me go, mm, here we go. Here we go. I know, I know it's coming. Um, we get out of there, and that experience lit off four years of daily drinking. I was just going to have a beer. Four years later, I'm drinking daily, and I'm miserable. And I'd love to tell you what happened in that four years. I can't. I don't, I, it's not that I was so drunk all the time. It just was not that exciting. <laughs> I'd get up, throw up, go to work, throw up, finish the day. I'd say I'm not going to drink tonight. By noon, I'm thirsty, and by 5.30, I'm home cracking a drink. Over and over and over. The mental obsession and the phenomenon of cravings got me by the neck, and I don't even know it. I got to the point where there was no party. This party, you know, menage uno. <laughs> Curtains were closed. The big book talks about the great obsession of every alcoholic is to uh, control and enjoy his drinking. <laughs> I was like, what's this one? Control and enjoy his drinking. I can do control. I can do control at a family wedding or a family barbecue or a, a work barbecue, but I'm not enjoying it. And I can do enjoy, but when I'm enjoying it, there is no control. There's none. My curtains are closed. The phone's off the hook. Uh-uh. Leave me alone. So four years of that, lots of fun, throwing up. I lost my dignity, my self-respect. Any moral, ethical boundary I had set in place for myself, I crossed. All the nevers, not all of them, there's still plenty to go. I know that I could head that way. There's a, another speaker that says, same speaker actually, I really appreciate him, Charlie P. He says, there's a bottom below the bottom you know. And that just resonates with me, just, uh. So um, I uh, was driving at work. My, my brain's going a million miles an hour. By this time, I'm taking some more outside issues, uh, some high-powered sedatives to quiet the nerves like Bill did, right? Um, because I was shaking so bad in the morning, I had to get chilled before I go to work. So um, I get to work. The, the sedatives are not working. I am as scared to death to go into every customer that I've delivered to for the past eight years. I'm afraid they know. <laughs> Who's they, right? Who is they? How many times did I say, oh, I have a headache when my eyes were so bloodshot, you know? I mean, it's just the lies we make up come at a rapid clip. Here's a quick one. My boss said, when I walked in, he says, hey, Mo, I need you to sign this, whatever it was. And I, I was shaking real bad that day. And I said, oh, okay. I grabbed a pen and turned. He go, and he grabs me. No, 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 just sign it right here. Oh, Jesus. And so I took a breath, and I did a little prayer. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> Put the paper down, and I pushed the pen down real hard to keep the, tw the shakes at bay. And I poked a hole in that sheet and ripped it clear across the page. It was like, shoo. It's like, dang. And he looks at me like, what is wrong with you? And I said, oh, I, I got a little blood sugar I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> True. So um, my dishonesty comes at a rapid clip. There's no, uh, yeah, lack of power is definitely my dilemma. So um, I'm driving down 22, and I'm eyeballing telephone poles. And every one I went by, I was going, turn the wheel now turn the wheel now. You can do it. I was trying to coax myself into doing this, and I, and I heard a song on the radio, and it starts out, uh, God, I'm down here on my knees because it's the last place left to fall, begging for another chance, if there's any chance at all, that you might still be listening and loving and forgiving guys like me. I spent my whole life getting it all wrong, and I sure could use your help. From now on, I want to be a good man, and it's a country song. And the noise in my head stopped, and I knew that I was just about to commit suicide.
the moment of clarity hit me just like that. But in the same moment, I knew that if I went home, I was going to stay drunk. There was nothing I could do about my drinking, and something was killing me. And I remember that feeling, something is killing me. Like it's an outside entity is what it felt like, like something's taking me out. Get back to work. <clears throat> I called my boss. I said, come get me or I quit. He says, what's wrong? My ego had rebuilt, and I lied. I said, I think I'm depressed. <laughs> he says, can you bring it back to the building? I said, yep, got it back to the building. Lied. Because here's the deal. I signed a contract in 98 that said I would never drink or use as long as I was employed with that company. And when I signed it, I meant it. You could put me up to a lie detector, and I would pass. True. She means it. She ain't going to do it. What I didn't know is that I didn't have the power to pull off the decision not to drink and make it stick. That's what we're talking about, powerless. I can't decide to quit drinking and make it stick. And I, like, I love sponsees. <laughs> I'm not drinking right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's look at your experience. How many times did you say, I'm not drinking today? Oh, oh we're going to go there. Yeah, we're going there. So um, I went to our sister tr uh, fellowship program because I was still confused. <laughs> If you believe that. Went to the sister fellowship program. I called a gal. She said, come to my office. Don't go home. Had I gone home that day, you'd probably have a different speaker. Um, she says, come to my office. We went to the other 12-step fellowship. We walked out of there, and she goes, how about we go to the other A? And she brought me to the sacred program the very next day. I wanted to get a sponsor immediately. That's my experience because I knew the only thing that I didn't do in those last eight years was work the steps. Little did I know that was the program. <laughs> no steps. You're not in the program, folks. You're only in the fellowship. Ooh, that made some people uncomfortable. So um, I had to find out the hard way. I thought I'd let you know the general way. So I, I was in a fellowship. I was never in the program. My delusional mind told me I was in the program. So um, we come to this program. I said, pick a sponsor. I don't care who it is. She says, there's your sponsor. I said, no, not that one. <laughs> she scared me. I was afraid of her because it looked like she could look right through me. It looked like she knew what I was thinking. It looked like she could read my mind. And uh, truth is, she probably could, you know, because she, she'd experienced it. She'd experienced it. She knows how it feels to be first brand new in the meetings, right? She sponsored me for the first nine months of my recovery. I'll thank her every day of my recovery for that time because I was not easy to work with. Remember I told you my tools for life. <laughs> I move forward when I get afraid. I don't move backwards. And I puffed up at her kitchen table like, come at me. You know, the whole time we're reading. She says, we're going to go to a meeting a day. You're going to go to a meeting every day for 30 days. You're going to read page 86, 87, 88 every morning and every night and do what it says. You're going to uh, meet at my house on Saturday morning at 9.30 um, to go through the book. We'll read when it says read, and we'll pray when it says pray, and we'll write when it says write. She says, you'll call a woman in the program every day, ask her how she's doing, and listen. <laughs> There's a new concept. She goes, is there anything in that handful of things you're not willing to do? do you think you're talking to, right? I mean, I didn't say that, but my head said it. My mouth said, nope. <laughs> I thought at her a lot. And she put up with a lot. She put up with a lot. Um, God bless her. My feelings were far less important to her than if I recovered. And uh, God bless her, right? 
She did not give my ego or my alcoholism room to breathe in her house. She snuffed it out. So um, I'm grateful to her. Uh, she moved. My sponsor now is Jane A. Um, she's been my sponsor since I had nine months sober. I'm grateful to her, very much so. I don't know how many months I had sober. I don't know what step I was on, but I was at work, working like somebody was chasing me. My friend Joan had retired uh, from UPS at this time, and she made a promise to me, Mo, I'll never call you at work and bother you. I'll only talk to you when you're off work. I said, okay. So I'm in recovery now, um, you know, months off of a suicide attempt, and uh, I'm rounding the corner. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. And it was a beautiful day, and I killed it at work. It was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And my head said, God, a drink sounds good. <clears throat> after I need a reward after that kind of day, right? <clears throat> and I pictured the clear wall. My wall is the clear wall. And I knew where I was going, and I sped up just a little bit, and the phone rang. And it was Joan at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I look at her, and my alcoholism said, get her off the phone. I'm like, okay. So, hey, how you doing? In the sing-song voice that we do when we're, nothing's wrong, right? <laughs> how you doing? Good, good, good. Add the head nod to it. Doing great. She says, uh, she's crying. She goes, Mo, what's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. What are you talking about? She goes, where are you? I said, I'm, I'm at work. I'm, I'm getting off work. And she goes, what are you doing after work? I said, I'm, or she says, what's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. I, nothing's wrong. She says, GD, tell me what's wrong. She never cussed. When she said it, it snapped me out of the delusion. And I went, oh my God, I'm about to drink. I'm about to drink. I'm, I want to drink so bad it feels like my skin is coming off. And she's crying. She says, go to your meeting, go to your meeting, go to your meeting. It was a Tuesday night. I'll never forget it. The topic was honesty. <laughs> my sponsor now is sitting in the room. And I, I just implode. And she grabs me and takes me outside, you know, tail tucked and she says, honey, what's wrong? And I told, her, I told her what I just told you. I want to drink so bad I can't, I can't see straight. And she says, you know, sometimes I just have to say, God, save me from me. The mother of all prayers, the one that I use today. Save me from me. And it was then that I realized, y'all ain't going to keep me sober. There better be a God. My step two went from... God, I hope this works to, ooh, there better be a God. Like, not a doorknob God. I ain't going to work for me. I'm sitting in that meeting legitimately thinking my problem's bigger than yours because <laughs> that's how I roll. I'm like, you guys don't understand. They're like, yeah, we do. I'm like, no, you'd be scared if you understood. <laughs> we do. Um, I went after my recovery with the desperation of a drowning man at that point. Now, I had been doing everything that she said to do because I was already afraid I was going to off myself. But when that drink came, that obsession hit me round in that corner at the end of the perfect day, and there was no mental defense against it. That scared me. I was sufficiently horrified in my brain. She, um, she gave me the mother of all prayers. I'm going after my program. As, you know, I'm more than willing to make those amends. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I approached step nine with some willingness that I haven't felt in a very long time. I balk still. Today I balk at some if I have them. You know, a 10 step, sometimes I'll even balk. But I, ran, I rushed through those amends, scared to death. The first one was my job for lying. I'm like, I told my sponsor, I said, no, no, no. Uh-uh, I signed a contract. <laughs> 
we're not going to talk about this at work. This is my career. She says, God either is or he isn't. What's your choice to be? Yeah, I had one of those. I'm like, ooh, ooh. Pulled that boss aside, uh, made an appointment with him first because that's what we're supposed to do, and um, pulled him aside and told him that I was dishonest with him that day and that I regret being dishonest with him and that I'd been drinking daily for four years, and he started crying. He said, what can I do to keep, help you keep sober? I said, nothing. How am I going to know if you're drinking again? I said, you won't. <laughs> okay, well, I couldn't fire you if I wanted to. I would have had to witness it. I said, oh, my God, thank you. There's a God. <laughs> so uh, there's a God if I would have lost that job, too, newcomer. So don't, don't get that wrong. But I'm plugging through my amends. I uh, made an amends to my mom um, because of the way I robbed her of emotional security and my dad. I didn't realize how much they worried about me because I didn't think they cared. Um, I, robbed her, I, I robbed her of emotional security at family events because um, now I roll up when, I, when I'm afraid and she scared me. So if she ever said, hey, will you uh, hand me that fork? I'd give her one of these. Get it yourself, <laughs> right? Get it yourself. Because the times I was in treatment and all that, she was telling all her friends how screwed up her daughter was, right? And telling everybody my business. The athlete and the scholar is now in treatment, right? It's none of your business. I'm not hurting anybody but myself, right? That amends was tough. Um, I started calling my mom and dad every week because intuitively I knew that's what I needed to do. Um, I, I just did what you taught me here, right? I called them up, asked them how they're doing, and I listened. I would take note of some things they told me. Well, we went to Sherry's restaurant today, and or we're going to Sherry's restaurant for lunch. Okay, da 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 da. The next week I'd call her. Hey, how was Sherry's restaurant? So they knew that I was listening. Listen, you know, that's, I'm still not good at it today. I am thoroughly convinced my sponsor is the best listener on the planet. It is an art. Um, oh, yeah, she's very good at it. So um, I uh, still aspire to be that good of a listener. That's why she's still my sponsor. I got a relationship um, with my parents' building. Um, life's going good. I've got, you know, my job. I'm sponsoring a handful of women, learning all kinds of lessons in life. You know, life is just fantastic. Um, <clears throat> two weeks after my one-year sobriety birthday, uh, Joan, my friend Joan, uh, her cancer returned, and they gave her four months to live. This is my mom, right? This is my surrogate mom, you know? This is my girl, and uh, I'm thinking, not her. Anybody but her, I know for a fact I can't stay sober with that kind of pain. My sponsor said, <laughs> you're a ball bag. <laughs> no. She says, uh, you will continue to go to meetings and you will continue to sponsor women and that's not negotiable. In the most kind, loving voice that she could. And I knew she meant it because she knows what's in the big book, right? She knows what's in that book and what it says and how we do this thing, how we keep close to God and perform his work well. He'll take care of everything. She had me working with the St. Francis Prayer um, work, let me take the time off in December, Christmas peak season, uh, middle of November and December. I had a month and a half off work to go take care of her. They knew how close we were. 
it was too big of a job for just her husband um, and her kids. Emotionally, it was too painful. You know, she was like the mama bear for everybody at work and in her home. She just had that, played that role. And uh, I'm working with the St. Francis Prayer every day. Page 99 of the 12 and 12. I'm reading that thing every day, and I'm saying a prayer, God, please remove her fear. Because my fear was she was going to panic during the whole thing and just flip out. You know, you guys taught me there's nothing I can do about my fear that it must be removed. So I thought, well, I'll just ask God to remove her fear. And I'm sitting with her one day. She's got the, in the hospice bed, and she says, honey, get a piece of paper and a, a, a pen. I need you to write some things down. I said, okay. And she says, I need you to cancel my gym membership. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I need you to cancel my donation to the Humane Society. I said, okay. She says, I need you to call Edward Jones. And here's some passwords and things, and we needed to move some stuff around. And at that point, I knew that uh, she wasn't coming back. Like, the truth finally hit me, and the panic got me right around the throat. And I, I didn't say anything. I just kept writing. And she goes, oh, honey, Mo. I said, what? And she goes, honey, I'm not afraid. <laughs> the prayer I had been saying every day. It's like the voice of God came through her and said to my heart, honey, She's mine. <laughs> I got her. You just go cancel the gym membership. <laughs> and that's what it felt like. It was just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this ain't, this ain't my business. It's between her and him. It does not concern me. Her family concerns me, right? Um, <clears throat> she passed away Christmas Day. <clears throat> yeah, what a gift. That house was littered with outside issues. <laughs> hospice, if anybody in here knows that has a personal relationship with hospice, are the best drug dealers on the planet. You call them, they're there 20 minutes later cracking the door and handing it through, and you just, bye. <laughs> not one time, not one time did my head say, God, a pill sounds good. Or you know, a few drinks. There was booze in the cabinets. There, there was alcohol in the fridge. They're not alcoholics. They can do that. My favorite drink was up in the cabinet, the clear wall, right? Not one time did my obsession come and say, you need relief. You need relief. I was dead center in the middle of this program, sponsoring women, right? God brought me new sponsors or sponsees in that town that I was in. I moved out of my house for a month and a half. Y'all moved in and took care of my dogs. I didn't have to worry about anything. You guys showed up at the funeral. You didn't even know her. I was surrounded like this cushion, you know. I think they keep my guts in. <laughs> you surrounded me. You loved me. You let me implode in the meetings. You didn't say, that wasn't on topic. <laughs> Share solution. I've said those words. <laughs> we'll get off of that. I, uh, I'm a hardcore sponsor, right? Buy the book. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And I'm sponsoring women like that. And I'll tell you what, I'm feeling so lonely I can't even breathe. Joan passes away. Two weeks later, I get a package on my porch. And it's a framed poem. I still have it. And there was a note attached to it. It was from my mom. And it said, uh, my friends know now, now know how special you are. And I was just like, Phew. if you told me 
that that kind of miracle could happen in these rooms and that I would love to feel that for my mom. When I came in the rooms, I'd have been gone. I'd have been gone. I needed to know. I don't call that dependence. I call that being human, right? So uh, I still talk to my folks. We don't talk every weekend. She says to me, um, you know, you don't have to call every weekend. <laughs> So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't. I call, we visit, we laugh, we crack up laughing, you know. I call my dad on Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day, Dad. And he says, I don't have a dog. <laughs> That's my dad, man, he's funny. Little soak in, you'll catch it later. It took me about five minutes, but um, I got a great relationship with them. You guys gave me my folks, right? You gave them back. I'm here to tell you, um, my dad was in the hospital a couple summers ago, heart condition, and I stayed the night with my mom. I hadn't spent the night with her since I was little. And we were talking about this stuff, and she says, you still doing, you still doing this? I said, yeah, and she goes, can I hear one? And the fear just, at that point, I'd been feeling kind of weird, like talking so much about Joan, I was afraid she was gonna get a hold of one of these talks, and I was afraid that it was gonna hurt her feelings, because we really have a good relationship today, right? And uh, I go, yeah, I, I got one, and, she, I, and I told her. I'm afraid it's going to hurt your feelings. She goes, don't you worry about it. And so I went outside. She listened to a talk. I came back in, took a shower, just stayed away from her. And, and uh, she comes up to me and she says, there's something that you're not getting. She says, we had to turn you over to Joan. We were fighting so much that we were going to get a divorce about you. And it dawned on me, holy cow, my folks were applying tradition one in their marriage without even having to come here and learn it, right? They put their marriage before their kid as it should be, as it should be. Um, they stayed married because of it. So um, I'm so selfish and self-centered, I think they need, it needs to be all about me. Um, she said the other thing that I wasn't aware of, she says, we weren't talking garbage about you. I was proud of you and telling all my friends how proud of you I was. Yeah. We get to learn some hard truths in here, but the truth sets you free. It's gonna ruin your day first, but <laughs> it'll set you free. I, um, I wouldn't trade places with anybody in this room today. I like my life. I love my relationship with God. You have given me that. I, I am more vulnerable with that power today because you've taught me to be more vulnerable with you. I can get a little deeper with my fears with God. Before I didn't, I don't want to tell God that, that's weird, right? I didn't realize if I want to measure my distance between me and God, then I had to measure my distance between me and you. And my distance was still wide. I still had the, I'm going to hide behind this big book and tell you how it is and how you doing, head nod, acting like I cared, alcoholism wasn't being treated, I wasn't being honest with myself and my sponsor. Um, and I started cracking all the way open, man, and the floodgates opened. Just to find out <laughs> that in 2019, uh, I had a gun pointed at me at work. Not a big deal, truly. I mean, people, we startled them, right? Uh, 30 days later, I'm suicidal. I think I'm working a bad program. I think I'm, I'm doing, must be doing something wrong. I'm not, I'm not 
praying right, I'm not praying enough, I'm not sponsoring enough women, da 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 da, da you name it. And the last night of, I have a, uh, I have a gun safe on my headboard, <laughs> call me crazy, I have a gun safe on my headboard, and, um, and uh, the gun woke me up three times that night. And you think I'm joking. It said, just do it. You're prolonging the inevitable. And I, I knew it was coming. I wasn't even afraid. I was welcoming it. It was six inches from my head. Still thinking I'm doing something wrong. Oh, I must be blocked. I must be blocked from God. Something's wrong. Went to a 7 a.m. meeting. I called in, tried to get the day off work. I know something's wrong. I'd been telling my sponsor every day for days, something's wrong. And uh, crying. I'd make my lunch in the mornings, curl up on the kitchen floor and cry like a baby because I couldn't get to work. I didn't know it was wrong. I felt crazy. I looked crazy. Some friends thought I got loaded. I looked crazy. Um, in the loneliness. I don't know what's wrong. And... Uh, went to my sponsor, I went to a 7 a.m. meeting, and the topic was the solution, the solution. And they said, Mo, would you like to share? <laughs> and I shared. You know how we do when we're in pain and we implode. I said, I want to take a drive until I run out of gas and I want to blow my brains out. I know what the solution is. I can't get to it. And two gals out of that meeting did what we do scooped me up and took me home. They said, you're not going to work. I said, I can't get the day. You're not going to work. Call your sponsor. Call my sponsor again. I said, she knows. She said, honey, go to the doctor. This is not you. Something's terribly wrong. Okay? I go to the doctor to find out I'm stuck in a PTSD cycle. I didn't know anything about it. That's, I don't know anything about PTSD, but I will judge it. I'm one of those. If you all are suffering today, it's because you ain't working the steps right. There's a couple in the room. You know who I'm talking to. I am one. I got nothing to stay. I'm just telling you. The big book says, get a doctor. And it, the big book, once again, God saved my life through that big book once again, right? Um, I'm only here because of AA. I decided to retire. I retired uh, five or six months ago. I don't know. And things are going great. And um, yeah, my life is great. It can't be any better. And I, I decided to get all the old bosses and old employees together and, and um, let's have a party, right? <laughs> let's have a party. And all the all, bunch of the drivers came, the retirees, the retired bosses, a bunch of you guys came. It was a great day. I'm telling you, it was, it was bliss to see everybody. And uh, one of, the, one of the numbers that I called was an old boss, and he ended up calling back, and he says, um, I hadn't seen him in 10 years. I hadn't seen him since Joan's funeral. He says, uh, hey, you want to go to breakfast tomorrow? <laughs> he, was, he was hot. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in that. You talk about spiritual warfare, you know. I was just like, mm, mm. I said, well, um, you know, I don't want to make your wife upset, whatever. Let's go to breakfast. So we went to breakfast, and he's been divorced 10 years. He's mine now, ladies. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I didn't have to pull out the old games. I didn't have to manipulate. 
I didn't have to lie. I didn't have to sneak around behind closed doors. By the time we got to my retirement party, it was out in the open. Lots of people were like, what in the hell is happening? You know, it was fantastic. And uh, here's what you guys gave me. I don't have to treat God's sons like tissue anymore. I can communicate. I, I like to say that I have the relationship of my dreams. The, the, the relationship I've always wanted is what I'm in today. And I, it's not because that he's the man of my dreams. I mean, he is that, but what I've always dreamt about was communication, respect, love, honesty, trust, trust. I had to go to a family member with an issue. We have some trust issues that go back years and years and years and address it with her and say, listen, um, that behavior won't be tolerated when my man's around. Otherwise, we won't come around. And I was willing to risk a relationship with a family member, and I flat told her, I've done it, you know it, we've all done it, but um, I don't want to be around that anymore, I'm not about that today, and if you want to be about that, that's fine, there's no judgment here, but I will choose him every time. That old rule that I grew up with, family first, doesn't apply to me anymore. I love my family, don't get me wrong. I got, I still believe I got the best family on the planet. But I'm not going to co-sign your stuff, right? That, that, you know, I got your back no matter what, don't want to apply anymore. No more. I'm in this relationship. Um, <laughs> He's pretty great. I wish he could have come tonight and I would have made him stand up. He's so awesome. I just, I, he's kind of shy, right? Which I'm not. I mean, I am, but he's just great. I'm, I, I feel blessed. And it's not because of the things in my life. It's not because I retired. It's not because of him. It's not because of, it's because my, all my relationships. <laughs> There's some women here, man, that love me. And when I was going through all that stuff, I would sleep 15 hours a day, right? Just 15 hours a day, be knocked out. They invited me to go to Palm Springs here a while back, and I slept 15 hours. And I come out, and they're all by the pool. They're like, morning. It's like 2 in the afternoon, you know? And I'm just feeling this small, but they never made me feel small. They knew that this, they know it's a side this thing is going to take a while to heal from, right? And it's okay. It's okay. I thought recovery was about being perfect and having it all together and da 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 That's what I did my whole life. And I'm tired. I don't have it together, man. Check out what happened in the bathroom, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> but I have you guys. I have a God of my understanding that uh, loves me unconditionally and makes it perfectly clear that that's the truth. Um, and there's women in my life that I get to carry this sacred message to. And we just get closer and closer, you know. Our brokenness heals each other. It's just, it's great. I'm going to end on this. I'm going to end with this because it moved me. It moved me the other day, and I just, I feel like it, somebody needs to hear it. It's a quote from Bill Wilson. He's speaking at an AA meeting in Hollywood Legion Fight Arena, 1951. And he says, don't make a project out of working the steps. Go through your day being the sort of person you would like to be, trying to help someone else and making sure you don't hurt anyone. 
And when you get to the end of your day, review the 12 steps, and you will find that you've worked them all. Thank you for my recovery.